Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Slap Alert, man. It's your boys. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. Boys and girls. Yes, sir. Lions, cats, and dogs. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Jake Boris. We got reality to plug in this G thing. We got a special episode for y'all, man. Yeah, man, we had the opportunity to speak to, to Tyler Anderson, man. He's currently serving 10 years to life in prison for a case that um, has to do with his daughter passing away. Rest in peace, Kelly. Yes, yeah, a sad situation. Um, if you follow up on the case, then you know why you're here. If you don't know, it's a sad situation. There's a link in the description that you could catch up on. But um, we're here to hear his side or, you know, what he might be going through. It might answer some of your guys' questions out there. I see a lot of comments in the in the little video that they posted about the situation. So without further ado, Tyler. Yes. Hey, yes, I'm here. How you doing, man? Um, man, we we here, man. Uh, man, you called in. We we appreciate you calling in. We really want to thank you for your time, man. And uh, we we we're happy to give you this opportunity to speak. Um, I'm Jay Bars. You know, this is the slap alert. Um, you know, I'm talking about here, my co-host, Reality. And um, how you yeah. doing? Oh, you know, uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. I listen, I just want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to come on your platform. You know, uh, this is going to be the first time speaking publicly, really my first time being able to speak freely about, you know, everything that transpired without an attorney or a detective or a judge in front of me. So, you know, I look forward to that. And, uh, you know, for over four years, a lot's been said about me, most of which is deserved. And I'm not on here to, to defend myself or justify my actions rationalize my decisions, you know, because I'm aware that there's nothing I can say to, you know, excuse the poor choices I made. So what I really want to do is come on and uh, acknowledge the things that have been said, answer questions that have been asked, and uh, share, you know, what actually influenced those terrible, horrible decisions that I made. So, you know, I appreciate you guys for allowing me that opportunity. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, the, uh, what do you think? What do you think is like? Um, what do you feel like you should say first? Like, what do you feel like people are asking the most? I mean, like you said, you got you know I've, over the past four years, you had a lot to to think about. You know, a lot coming in. So, um, yeah. What What do you feel like? Is there anything that you that you would want to address first? Like, what's the most important thing? I mean, there's so many things that I've been asked from, you know, loved ones and even, you know, uh, people who I don't know, you know, personally. And uh, I got a whole laundry list of things. But, you know, uh, the first thing that needs to be addressed is, is the fact that I did fail, you know, to protect my daughter, Callie, you know, and her life was lost. And, you know, I, I deal with the regret and the remorse and the shame behind that. But that's one of the main, you know, things that I want to address is, is what I could have and should have done better, you know, in in the circumstance that I was put in. But not only that, you know, I'm talking about years before that situation transpired. You know, there, going back, there were a lot of red flags that I missed, you know, a lot of things that I, in terms of how my now ex-wife Adriana treated Callie you know, treated myself, and those 
small snowball ended up being the avalanche that, you know, cost my daughter her life. Okay. Well, you say red flags. Um, can you can you can you give an example? I mean, I'm pretty sure people you know watch seen the little clip on your situation, but coming from you, um, is there any red flags that you like feel like should uh, uh you know change your perception on on the situation? Yeah. In retrospect, I mean, from the way that Adriana spoke to Callie you know, and, and demeaned her and, you know, undermined her, undervalued her, you know, called her out of her name. And, you know, these are things that she would do to me as well. So I ended up, you know, um, kind of becoming desensitized to it and saying, you know, that's just the way she is, or she's just upset, or, you know, that that's just, uh, you know, how she feels at the moment. But that enabled her to continue to, you know, just disrespect Callie and, you know, make her feel like, you know, like, make her feel like, uh, like she wasn't important, like she didn't matter, you know, like she was, she was a waste of life, you know, she just, she said the most horrible thing to Callie, and, uh, you know, those, those are things that I should have checked her on, that I should have you know, spoken up about that I should, shouldn't have let slide, you know, because when you let one thing slide, like I said, it, it enabled her to feel comfortable doing that, knowing that I wasn't, you know, willing to check her about it. Mm. That's big. And I mean, you know, besides that, just, just her, 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 her treatment, you know, she was just uh, emotionally and mentally abusive. You know, and then it comes into the to the physical abuse where, you know, I would come back from, you know, work or school, wherever I might have been. And, you know, my, my daughter has bruises on her and Adriana's explaining them, you know, in a way that that I should have recognized didn't make sense. You know, whether she said that she bumped her head on the table or she fell while she was playing or she got pushed down by her brother or she poked her earrings through her own ears, you know, at, at age you know, one, these are just things that, that should have been, you know, they should have jumped off the page to me. And and I did not recognize them. I was, I, I didn't act on them. Do you feel that there was a reason why you didn't see it, like why it was invisible to you? In reality, I, I can hardly hear you. Did you say, do I feel like there's a reason why they were invisible to me? Yeah, why you didn't notice the signs. Or why do you why you didn't I, react? I think that I think that I didn't want to believe that they were true. You know, I kind of I'm a big believer in hope and in, in potential and in people. So you know, when Adriana's telling me these things and I explain them to my family, and my family's asking the same questions as you, is that. You don't think that that's a little odd that, you know, she that's the story that she came up with. But, you know, me wanting to believe in her, I, I believed whatever she told me to be true. And a lot of the times my daughter would confirm it. But looking back on it now, my daughter was, you know, afraid of Adriana. She was scared to death. And, you know, I should have been able to recognize that on her face, you know, when she would answer these questions and Adriana would be standing behind her. You know, I should have known that, that she was kind of puppeteering 
you know, for, for Adriana. And uh, I, I was oblivious to it, man. I, I don't, I don't uh, take any pride or any glory in it because, you know, it cost me everything I love. Those little things led to everything in the, uh, in the end. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm. that, small stuff like that can definitely get bigger and definitely grow. Um, okay. Um, so do you feel like your, your love for Evriana, well, you basically just said that that's the reason why you didn't notice the signs, but is that love the reason why you're in this situation now? I mean, I would be I would be hard pressed to say that it was true love. At the end of the day, it became more of a fear of her, you know. And I'm I'm not here to paint myself as a victim in any way, shape, or form, you know. But she was abusive to me, and I didn't stand up to her. I didn't speak out against her. So I almost, you know, I like I said, I I became there was a fear of her because I I've seen her. I know what she was capable of doing. And she's destructive, you know, she's evil in every sense of the word. She might be four foot eleven, but you know, she's just psychotic. And I think that is the main reason why I even, you know, stayed in that relationship was over the fear of what might happen if I did try to leave. Hmm. Um so I got I got I'll, I'll, oh go ahead. Go ahead, ask your question. Go ahead, ask your question. No, I would just want to ask, like both of y'all, like, would you even call that love? Like, I wouldn't even call that love. Absolutely not. It it, it wasn't love at all. And, right. and and to be honest with you, you know, I got married at at 19 years old, and uh, I didn't invite any of my family to the wedding because they didn't approve one of me getting married so early, but two because of who I was getting married to. You know, I was aware of her, of Adriana being on bipolar medication and you know, her anger issues and things of that nature. And what I, what I really, uh, what really kind of, you know, pushed me into getting married was she was pregnant with my second child, you know. So then I felt like it might be best for my family unit, you know, to just go ahead and get married. And come to find out that Adriana's main motivation for getting married was so that, because I was going through custody court at the time, was so that we could, you know, appear to be a stable unit in front of a custody court judge. Not necessarily for the love. It was for that purpose only. You feel like? No, it, it, I don't think it was for the love. I think for for her, her motivation was to, for control. You know, I think that once once I became married, I fell under the impression that you know, happy wife, happy life. You have to have your wife back. Your wife is always right. You know. Uh, be a unified front, you know, agree in public, disagree in private kind of thing. And she, that played right into her hand of, you know, everything that she intended to do. Right. She took advantage of him, basically. That's how I took it. Yeah, and not just me, but, you know, she had hate toward my family. Of course, she had hate towards my daughter's mom. You know, and she, she, that's the only reason why she wanted custody of my daughter, Callie, was so that my daughter's mom did not get custody. Mm. And so that she could kind of make the rules in terms of who in my family can see her. And, you know, it, it, she was all about control. And I basically gave her the keys to the car, mm. so to speak. 
Right. Speaking of the mother of Callie, um, and I've I've had a chance to read over the minutes of your sentencing, and um, I've noticed that you know she was torn up about you know being away from Callie, and was there any point, um, is there was there any point in in the midst of, you know, before the situation came about, before the death came about that you thought about, you know, returning Callie to her mom? It seems like, it seemed like, you know, she feels like what, what any mother, what any mother would feel like, you know, what, what this happened to her. Um, do you so, feel like, yeah, go ahead. Watch out. Well, so, so first and foremost, I just want to put it out there because, you know, I've, I've read a lot about, you know, what's been put out and said about my daughter's mom and, I just wanted to, to state on the record that she was not, you know, out prostituting and she wasn't homeless and she wasn't, you know, on drugs. She wasn't a bad mother. She was a phenomenal mother to Callie and she loved Callie dearly, you know, and uh, she did everything she could in that custody court case that we went through, uh, which, which might have been, you know, a little bit biased because we had the same judge that my mother and my father had. You know, so I don't, I'm not even sure she got a fair chance to gain custody of me. You know, uh, she she had a medical marijuana card at the time, and that kind of uh, became the the staple of the reason why she didn't get custody. But she was a young mother. She had a, her second child, and, you know, she didn't deserve to lose full custody of Callie. And another thing is that, you know, throughout the years, because I got Callie at around 18 months uh, is when we got full custody. You know, uh, my daughter's mom never stopped trying to see her and trying to visit with her, trying to get pictures and videos. But my, you know, my family at the time was so, you know, in fear of Adriana's response to them sending pictures and videos that they wouldn't do it. You know, so, so every time that she would reach out to any of them, you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't provide it to her because of what they would have to deal with if Adriana found out. And um in terms of returning her to my daughter's mom, there there if I'm being honest and, and it's it's more because of my oblivious nature to the whole situation, there wasn't a point in time to where I said, Okay, Adriana's becoming overwhelmed. It's probably a good idea to give Callie back to her mom or to take my kids and go. You know, I think I I kind of put my head in the sand, so to speak, and, and didn't recognize that it would probably have been, you know, Callie's saving grace if I had returned her to her mom. Right. Yeah. Hey, would y'all mind if we uh, do a moment of silence for Callie? I don't. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, this is definitely. Uh, I, I, it's definitely. I've, a, I've, I've, go ahead, my bad. Go ahead. It's it's an emotional. Situation. No, no, you go ahead, B. Go ahead. It, it, it's it's an emotional situation, um, all around, um, and you know I noticed, you know that, the the the, the little flick, the little flick that was dropped on your situation, you know, kind of, 
it's after so many years later, like I I feel like, you know, it kind of resurfaced some negative energies. Um amongst your families and, and, and you know, the people that who was involved in the situation. Um, I feel like that was messed up. I wanted to say that, man. I feel like that was messed up. Is there anything that you would like to add towards the um the decision making? Like anything that got to do with your your decision before we switch lanes here? In terms of just what influenced all of my poor decisions? Well, yeah. Or what caused you not to make other decisions? Okay. That so, you know, um, I mean, if it, 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 and it, it, there's so much to, to go into. And, and like I said, I appreciate you guys for giving me the time to kind of uh, unravel all of it. You know, um, a lot of it, like I said, was fear-based. You know, given the abusive nature of my marriage, I was afraid to make decisions that would upset Adriana. You know, and 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 I felt stuck. Right, I have my my three children at the time, and you know, once once Callie passed away, I still had my two children. You know, who I who I had to be you know cognizant of when I made my decisions. So that kind of it it, it kind of um, you know, it, it led to, to indecision, which is a big decision. You know, uh, I was second-guessing everything, and I couldn't stand – I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't stand firm on, on this is the right thing to do. I knew what the right thing to do was. The right thing was – first of all, the right thing was to remove Callie and myself and my, my other children from the situation, period. Okay, so you didn't do that. Well, the second right thing to do is call 911 immediately. And I didn't do that because of the fear of how Adriana would respond, you know. And and after that, it there was so much, you know, that I was just unable to do that. It, it took me so long to find a route that I was comfortable with in terms of, you know, revealing this thing and and letting it be known, you know. It's not something I tried to get away with. It's not something I tried to cover up. It's just something that was so, you know, uh, it, it just impaired my ability to make the right decision. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, there was there was drug use involved afterwards. I mean, I lost everything that I love. And, you know, I, so, you know, going back to a, a custody court, I had just gotten out of, you know, rehab when I was going to court for my daughter and, and my drug of choice was cocaine. And after my daughter passed away, that's what I went to, to get. Cause that was my only way I knew how to cope. You know, the only way that I, that I knew how to just, you know, I just had to numb myself, man. There was so much that was on my mind and, and it didn't help in my ability to make decisions. It just, it made it even worse. You know, so what I thought might help me to, to kind of continue to keep moving put me in a rut. And and uh, that that's what took so long for me to find the right way to reveal it, which was, you know, there was a gentleman, and I don't want to mention his name for privacy reasons, but I reached out to him, and he was somebody who I knew, you know, when I lived in Woodland, and somebody who I, I knew would be able to tell just by looking at me that... 
eh, something's something's off about Tyler. You know, something's not right. He's trying to tell me something. You know, I tr- I try my best to give off those vibes. You know, and, and I I want to just apologize to him, man, because it's traumatic for everybody involved. You know, but but to to discover something like that, I can't even imagine. You know what what he felt and what he's been through since then. You know, and uh, I, I want to apologize to him for even bringing him into the situation. But you know that I was just so unwilling and, and unable to make the right choice. Mm. This reality here. Uh, I got a, another question I wanted to ask you. Um, do you think yeah. that since we you, know, you you brought up drugs, do you think that that caused the fear for you? getting off of drugs cause what no do you think that the drugs or you know dabbling into the drugs was the reason that you had the fear um uh, it played a part in it it definitely played a part in it you know uh we all know about the effects of drugs and and specifically cocaine so we don't need to delve too much into that but you know the 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 main fear was just a, a fear of a fear of what might happen if you know, Avriana figured out that I was trying to reveal this to the world, trying to turn her in, trying, you know, not allowing her to to fulfill the plans that she had even after Callie passed away in terms of the, the terrible things that she was planning to do, you know, to my daughter's body. It, it, it was horrible, you know, and, and it was my way to numb all of those things that were going on around me. But, you know, it didn't help in... in giving me what I needed to feel comfortable making these decisions. The reason I ask, because, you know, some will say that, you know, you're a man and she's a woman. Like, how, how could he right. be, how could he have fear? Or how could he be in fear or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is possible. Yeah. But that's why I ask yeah. that because I want to, I at least want the world to know or at least seem to, to get an understanding on why there was fear or why you reacted oh. off of fear. You know, there's and and it's true. I was not. I mean, people talk about what a man is, what a man should do. If those are what we're judging, what a man is, then then I definitely was not that. You know, I was not strong. I was not confident. I had low self-esteem. I was isolated from you know all the support that I had once we moved to Reno, and kind of just you know broken down every day by this. Yeah, she's four foot eleven. You know, by this short stature crazy woman who you know would go to any length to get her way and i've seen her you know do the most crazy things prior to callie passing away to me you know to 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 my family so it was really just the fear of of you know knowing that she's capable of doing anything you know, we're talking about, you know, she tried to run over me with a car and pull knives out on me and pots and pans and, you know, things of that nature. And just, you know, a Tasmanian devil who would, you know, stop at nothing to, to get her way. And it that fear started when we got married. So by the time, that's 2014. So by the time we're into 2018, you know, all of that is just, it, it compounded and, I became a shell of myself. My family didn't recognize me. My loved ones, you know, didn't didn't even want to speak to me because they saw the changes that I went through, you know, after getting with this woman. And they didn't approve of it, but I wasn't willing to listen to them. You know, I wasn't willing to, 
to hear anybody out when they tried to give me relationship advice. You know, I, I, I was just willing to, you know, hope for the best and prepare for the worst and the worst happened. This is not even something I could have, I could have scripted or, or seen, you know, seen in my, in my future cards, but the worst case scenario happened. And, uh, I, I definitely regret not listening to those people who, you know, warned me way before I got married that she's not the right one for me. You know, uh, she stopped taking her medications. And, you know, when you, when you stop taking those, you know, bipolar medications and, you know, those, those sorts of things, you know, it hits you like a rocket, like a train, you know, and, you know, the, the, the things that you will do, there is just no limit to them. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 and, and I'm ashamed of it to, to be quite honest with you because I've never been so weak in my life, you know, and it's not something that I saw, you know, I didn't see the changes in myself day to day. It's just something that I became without recognizing it. And it is, you know, something that I, I live with to this day is, is the regret of how, you know, how, how did, did I it become so weak, so, you know, able to be stepped on, so able to just lay down, you know, and not stand up for what's right. And that, that's still something that I'm searching to find the right answers for. Mm. Now, Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I, I appreciate the detail too. Um, when you say abuse, with this with this woman was it like a horror like i don't for lack of a better way it was like was it like horror film type abuse like you said try to run you over with a car and all type of stuff like how would you describe living with this woman i mean looking back at it now it, it definitely was you know horrific it was chaotic there was never peace in my home you know and every every day you know, I'm walking on eggshells trying not to upset her because of the, you know, the, the, the destruction that comes after. I mean, like I said, she, she's tried to run over me with the car. She's pulled out knives on me, you know, and, and slim at me and, you know, pots and pans and breaking plates and just, just, and I'm non-confrontational, right? So I, I like peace and anything I could do to get peace, I was willing to do. And she knew that, you know, so that's how she would get her way in certain situations is, you know, throw uh, uh, what what other people would say a temper tantrum. But to her, I mean, it was just it was dangerous. You know, she would be as dangerous as possible to get her way. And what what happened was, you know, when I lived in Woodland and Fairfield, my family was close. So I was able to go take my daughter. And this was before my other children were born. Take my daughter and leave. Go to my mom's. Go to my cousin's. Go to the park. Go outside. You know, there were times where we were sleeping in the parking lot. And it, it was so much peace, you know. And once I moved to Reno, where I don't know anybody and I don't have any family and I don't have any support, my outlet became work. So I would go to work, working two jobs, you know, running all the errands doing everything to stay out of her way. You know, it became my escape. But, you know, the, uh, uh, a big a big issue with that is that I was, I was unaware of 
the fact that, you know, if it's bad for me when I'm there, then it's got to be 10 times worse for my children, specifically my daughter, when I'm gone. You know, and I didn't recognize or realize that at the time. It never crossed my mind, and it should have. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things that, that haunts me the most is just not not being cognizant of the fact that, you know, your your children have it a lot worse than you do, your daughter specifically. Right. And one of the things that caused me to recognize that I need to, to remove all of us from, from such a toxic situation because no relationship is worth putting all that at risk. Hmm. So you feel like dealing with this abuse, you know, you're around this person, you're in this toxic relationship. Do you feel like that gave you some type of PTSD or some type of trauma-related symptoms that caused your caused you to, uh, you know, have these mental breakdowns or to not fight back? You know what I mean? Or have you stuck in like a, a freeze-up type of zone? Absolutely. So, so you know, uh, referring back to when I was, you know, living closer to my family and, and able to leave, you know, we all we're all aware of, you know, when you're when you're in fear, you know, you have a few bodily responses which are fight or flight or freeze. And at that time, I was able to, you know, take flight, leave, you know, take my daughter and, and go, and then return when it's peaceful. So once I moved to Reno and those you know, support options are no longer available to me and I'm not able to go to work because I'm off, my response became freeze. You know, whatever she would do, I'm unable to alleviate the stress and the terror and the fear behind her actions because I can't go anywhere. You know, so I began to feel helpless. I began, you know, to feel so isolated and, you know, that that played right into her hand. And, you know, it's now led to shame about, the actions that I took, you know, even before, like I said, before 2018, in, in order to, you know, maintain that connection with, with an abuser, you know, and this has led to confusion from people who know me best, you know, people who've known me since I was a child, you know, they're confused about whether I was a willing participant in what was going on and whether, you know, I, I allowed things to transpire, you know, because of the, the, the trauma that I felt and my inability to, to make decisions, you know, and, and my inability to, to speak on it because I've never had, you know, the opportunity to come out and speak on it. So, you know, and uh, those, those are things that, that, you know, are important in this is that, you know, it, it was a traumatic experience, not for not just for me, but for everybody involved. You know, my family deals with, you know, the guilt and shame of what they feel they should have done better and, you know, uh, what they wish they would have done and, you know, I, I just want to state for the record that, you know, my could with the knowledge that they had, there was a lot going on in my relationship in general and with me that I did not share with them. You know, I didn't want them to be worried. I didn't want to appear weak. I didn't want them to be, you know, I didn't want them to, to have to worry about me. So, you know, I, I didn't share those things. And I come from a good family, you know, and, uh, that's why they're so, you know, puzzled and, you know, confounded and confused about how this thing could happen. But, you know, what what happened was, you know, you we're all brought up with a set of morals and values and I compromised those values in my relationship, 
you know, for what I felt was the betterment of my relationship, which is the most terrible thing you can do because that's what makes you who you are. So when I put those aside in order to appease Avriana and, you know, to make her happy or to, to have peace in my home, I was losing a piece of myself every time. And I ended up, you know, not even knowing who I was, but being who she wanted me to be every time she needed me to be that person, which which just played right into her hands. I mean, I was living out of a box. All my clothes, when I lived in Reno, were in a closet, and they were in a box. And I would go and pick my clothes. Every, I was never settled. I was never comfortable. I was never at home or at peace. I, I was living out of a box. And, you know, that enabled her to, to do everything she wanted to do in terms of, you know, her abuse and her, you know, the affairs that she was having on the side and, you know, all the things that that it just fell right into her hands, you know. But but it all started from trauma. You know, it all started from, from trauma and from the, the fear of, you know, what, what I thought that she might do. Which, which again, I don't want to make excuses or paint myself as a victim because the real victim is my daughter, you know, my baby. And, uh, you know, it, there should have been nothing that stopped me from doing the right thing, from, you know, saving her, you know. Do you, and, do you, uh, do you feel that, like... Um, I'm bad. Go ahead. Finish. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, I was just going to say that, that that's something that I that I have to live with for the rest of my life. It, it, it outlives this prison term that, that I'm on. You know, it's something that I'm not going to... I can't just leave this behind once I leave this place. This is guilt. This is shame. This is grief that remorse, regret that I have to carry with me every single day because I didn't save her. I didn't protect her. I didn't do all those things that a father is supposed to do for their child, you know, and whatever the reasons I I had in my mind, none of those are sufficient when we're talking about the life of your firstborn child, you know, none of that, none of that is okay. There's nothing I can say to make it okay. You know, so I, I just want to put that out there that, that I, I'm not the real victim here because at the end of the day, regardless of what I was going through or experiencing in my relationship, I should have said enough is enough. This is way out of hand. The only way is down and I need to take my daughter and go. And and I could have I, I could have I had opportunities to do that way before, you know, we got to twenty eighteen and I didn't take them. Do you feel like the sentence that you got is uh, something that you deserve? Like, um, that amount of time, I believe, is 10 years to life is what you're serving right now? So it, it, it's 10 to life, which which is really, you know, 11 because I got an additional year for, you know, transporting and, and things of that nature, what happened after my daughter passed away. And uh, in terms of, you know, if it's enough time, I'm sorry, what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. In, in terms of, of if it's enough time, you know, uh, that's, that's what I was offered, and I didn't dispute it. I didn't disagree. You know, I didn't take it to trial and, and plead how innocent I am because there were mistakes that were made that led to my daughter's death, you know, and... That is what my sentence indicates. 
which is why I took it. And like I said, it, it's 10 to life, which means, you know, you could spend the rest of your life in prison. That's, that's what that sentence means. And even if I were to be released today, there's nothing that is going to become easier for me once I leave. Because like I said, it's really a death sentence. I'm going to carry this with me until the day that I pass away. So it's not it's not something that I'll be free from. It's not something that I'll, you know, leave. like I said, I'm not going to leave it at the gate. I'm not going to uh, shake myself of it. This is something I have to carry with me for the rest of my life. This is something I'll have to explain to the people closest to me for the rest of my life. And and that in itself it is, is the real sentence. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. So better luck in terms. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I saw you. I was. I was just agreeing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do. So better luck in terms. He's saying there's no prison sentence that's gonna outdo the sentence he has to do in the loss to this child. Which, as a daughter of seven girls, I totally agree. Like, there's nothing that nobody can do to me that would be sufficient to what I did to myself with this situation. So, I I totally understand you. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, like I said, I, I, I'm not seeking sympathy, you know, I'm not seeking, you know, I'm not looking for people to feel bad for me, but, you know, empathy is important, you know, and, and I just want to help to bring clarity to, to the people who were closely affected by all this, you know, because the, the list is long, and they also are affected by, you know, this is something they have to live with for the rest of their lives as well. You know, this is something that we all have to carry, and it doesn't get easier as days go by. You know, so there, there's people who might believe that I deserve this sentence or that sentence. You know, at, at the end of the day, this is something that lasts longer than, than any prison term that I could have received. You know, because I failed my daughter. I failed as a father. You know, I failed as a, as a protector. I, I played the role of provider really well, but I failed as a protector, which is more important than being a provider to your family yeah um so you brought up you know trauma i mean we brought up the ptsd and things do you, is there, do you feel like there was something in Ariana from her past that made her that way so like know, what was, i guess uh, i guess i guess my real question is i'm gonna cut you off that, that quick but what, what what do you think would put would would possess her to do these things yeah so it you know um in her trial i'm not sure how closely everybody followed it but you know that that was brought up a lot with her upbringing and, and it was she did go through some abusive things however you know what i really feel like drove her to hate callie was the hate that she had for callie's mother i think that was the main reason and i think that every time she saw callie she saw callie's mother you know and and the more children that she had of her own, the more that she recognized that, you know, she didn't believe Callie had any worth. She didn't believe Callie had any value because I believe that Adriana's thought was Callie's only value is to hurt Callie's mom. I want to take Callie away, you know, by getting full custody so that it hurts Callie's mother. Mm. If there wasn't any love, there wasn't any motherly bond that, that, you know, whatever what was minuscule in the beginning in terms of, you know, things that she would do for Callie, like I said, as she had her own children, those things would dwindle. And 
there was no motherly bond. There was no motherly love. You know, there were times where Callie would say that she hated Adriana. And anything that would possess a child to say that, you know, is, is 10 times worse than what would possess a, a, a person to say that to a child. For you sure. Know? For sure. For sure. And, and, and like I said, I, I'm not here to, to excuse any, any of Adriana's behavior um, because I don't think that, that it's justification for it. But that's what I think really drove her to, to hate Callie was, you know, the fact that, that Callie wasn't her daughter. You yeah. know, and she had she had animosity and hate towards towards Callie's mother and and that's what ultimately led her to do all the things that she would do. Mm. You know, okay. and, and I I was I was not um given the ability, although I was willing and ready to testify against her in her trial. However, when I spoke to the district attorney of the case, she advised me that it would kinda complicate things because it would give a Rihanna's attorney somebody to deflect the blame onto, you know, and, and so she didn't want to involve me in the trial. But I definitely was willing and able to, to tell everything that I know about who she was as a person and who she was as a parent because she was a totally different parent when it came to, you know, my other children and Callie. And, you know, my, my I've come to find out that my other children have, have experienced a lot you know, and in terms of um, what was going on, you know, but obviously Callie is the victim, you know, and and I, the main reason is because Adriana hated my daughter's mom. So what is it that, I'm curious, what is it that you saw in Adriana that just, that, that, you know, that had you, I mean, you said it was fear at the end of the day, but there was love at first. Before there was fear, there had you said that there was love. You feel me? What was it about her? What was there any good that you can that you can extract from so, this? So I think what initially initially you know drew me toward her is that you know I I have a tendency to try to fix people. You know, she came from a broken home. She came from a broken family, and I wanted to give her the things that she was lacking because my upbringing didn't consist of any abuse or any, you know, broken homes or things of that nature. So I wanted to provide those things for her. And, you know, I, I, I don't even feel comfortable saying love because, I mean, we were 17 when we met, and at 17, you, you really don't understand the concept of love. You know, so although I might have thought it was back then, well, if we look right. back at it, you know, in hindsight, there's no way that was love. Right. Right. But, you know, she, 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 there were, there were times where she would just not be as terrible as she is. And I looked at those as a win. I looked at those on something we can build on. I looked at those as hope for, for a future, you know, when she apologizes says I'll be better and I'll, I'll never do this I'll never do that again you know and and that that relief of tension in an abuse cycle is what kept me involved and invested in, in the relationship and the more children that I began to have the more difficult it was to convince myself to pack up and go so I think that that was a, a key part of of you know what kept me around is 
you know, those periods of peace, however brief they were, it was always something that I could say, maybe we can build on this. Because like I said, I'm, I'm a huge believer in people and in hope and in potential. So I didn't want to acknowledge that she was a failed, you know, a failed experiment that, yeah. that we couldn't, we, we couldn't make it work. And, and, and all those things work, work to my own detriment, you know, all those things work to my, to my own detriment and to my daughter's detriment. I mean, I lost everything I love, you know, and, and more than anybody can imagine. And mm-hmm. those, those little pieces of, of peace will never be worth all of the, the, you know, all of the, the images that I'm haunted by when I close my eyes at night, all of the things that, you know, I have nightmares about and, you know, the things you can't unsee and can't unhear, you know, they'll never, they'll never make up for that. This reality here again, I got a question for you. When did you notice it started going downhill? When did I, my relationship? Yes. Like, when did you notice, like, because you just say, you know, at times you felt like, you know, you had the hope and you wanted to believe and you wanted to. When did you just was like, OK, it's 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 ugly. It's bad. It's not it's not going to work. Like. Yeah. So those things happened once we once my my second child was born and I, I kind of I noticed the way that she would differ in her parenting styles with my second child and, and with my daughter. And, you know, like she would, she, my family would get them gifts, you know, for Christmas and she would count every single gift. And if my daughter got more than my, than my second child, then she would throw the gifts out. You know, little things like that is, is what kind of told me that she wasn't really invested in being a family unit. You know, she was more invested in, in being the mother of, of, of that particular child, you know, and as, you know, we, we further along as she gets pregnant again with my third child, these, these toxic things are, are happening daily and, you know, everything is going downhill. So, so, you know, even prior to moving to Reno, I saw that things were going downhill. I just, a slimmer of hope I would take and run with. And it usually came in the form of her, you know, apologizing and swearing she'll never do this and do that and be better. And, you know, those things are, are things that I took and I held on to, but I never held her to her word. You know, I never said, you told me you would be better, you're not, and now I'm gone. I never made that choice. Do you feel like th- that drugs played a part played a part in that? You feel like the, the use was was the catalyst in that situation? I mean, the, the the catalyst was sure they played a role. You know, there 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 were periods of of drug use, you know, sprinkled in between from when we met to to you know this tragedy, and you know they definitely played a role in it. But I think that you know the 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 thing that kind of drove me was the fact that you know I kind of put myself in in, in a terrible position because I wasn't strong enough to even, you know, to ever leave her or ever, you know, decide that, you know, it's not in our best interest to be here. And I kept, you know, having more children and putting myself in a deeper hole in terms of reasons why I'm going to convince myself to stay. 
instead of looking and recognizing the reasons why there's no way we should ever be in a relationship like this. You know, there's no way that this is a happy marriage. There's no way that this is, you know, that this has potential to go anywhere but but destruction. You know, so it, it, it was the drugs, yeah, but it was more of just me deceiving myself into believing that, you know, her and I could be anything more than just a, a, a terrible experiment. Mm. A failed marriage, you know, the, the byproduct of it. Yeah. I mean, shit, man. I, I got to ask you, though, bro. You that you had two jobs. How how much time did you like? Did you get to spend at home, like in between jobs? Because you got two jobs. Are you working both of them in the same day? Yeah, I'm working both of them in the same day. Uh, typically, I'm coming home at, you know, I'm leaving home at at seven, eight in the morning, and I'm coming back at eleven o'clock at night within, you know, an hour in between jobs. You know, so. When I would come home, I wouldn't, and this is when I say that, you know, I became more of a provider than anything else is I wasn't looking to, you know, I was looking for time to decompress. I was looking for time alone. I wasn't, you know, checking on my kids. I wasn't reading them stories. I wasn't, you know, making sure that everybody is fed and dressed and comfortable you know, playing happy. I wasn't checking in on anybody. I was going there, decompressing, and then leaving to go to another job. And, you know, I didn't spend that quality time with my children. And they suffered from it. You know, my daughter suffered from it. And, and you know, my other children, because I, I, I became a roommate, you know, I, I really did. And, you know, with, with, balancing two jobs and everything else i mean there's work-related fatigue that i ended up suffering from is is, you know when you're kind of just in a hamster wheel and you don't recognize anything else that's going on you know all i was worried about was working paying bills and 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 things uh, that society tells us we should do but it doesn't say that, that we should neglect our other responsibilities which is what i what i did to be honest i couldn't imagine working two jobs in the same day like two full time jobs, I couldn't imagine that. Um, it 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 wasn't easy, but I I don't like I said I I I can't allow it to be an excuse. You know, I can't allow it to be a reason that that these things could have transpired. You know, because the decisions, as I stated in my sentencing, you know, the decisions that I should have made to save my daughter and save my family. They should have been made long before I ever moved to Reno and started working two jobs. You know, these are things that that should have it should have never gotten this bad to begin with. It takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing here today, man. And um, like I said, we appreciate you taking the time out to give us this interview. You know, um, I appreciate you guys for allowing me to 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 come out and really uh you know take the stage. Yeah. It's all love. It's all love. Is, is there anything that you noticed that you kind of caught whiff of that you didn't really know the depth or severity of, but you kind of caught a hint that it was there? And 
decision that could have led to all this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of that, you know, I, I want to cycle back to, to just, you know, her treatment of Cali. Uh, obviously, there, there wasn't anything that I saw to believe that my daughter wouldn't be alive when I came home. However, there were indicators of, of who Adriana was and how she felt about Callie and obvious signs that she would not change that told me that there was no way that she would ever be a mother to Callie. And that, that in and of itself should have been enough to, you know, give me cause to pause and remove my daughter from that situation. Either give her back to her mom, give her to my family, you know, take myself and leave and then figure the situation out with my other children afterwards. You know, there was a situation where CPS had got called and, you know, my daughter had bruises and, you know, her hand is burned and all these things are explained away by Adriana and they should have been red flags to me that said that your daughter is in danger because this woman is cruel, she is evil, she is mean, spirited, and just, you know, she is toxic, and she would stop at nothing to to ultimately take Callie's life. That was her goal. And, you know, even though there was nothing I could identify that said, you know, my daughter wouldn't be alive, you know, there, there were things that I should have acted on that, that would have prevented us from ever coming to that situation. If if I did act on it, she would still be here. You know, she, I I would trade my life for hers in a heartbeat. You know, and she she deserves to be here. And and the fact that she's not, you know, it it hurts every single day. You know, and you know this is something that that uh like I say, you just don't get over. You just don't move on. You don't forgive yourself. You know, I, I I'm not surprised that there are people out there who don't forgive me because it's so difficult for me to even imagine forgiving myself we big on mental health here on the slap alert man i hope you uh, if you need to speak to somebody make sure you speak to somebody or find ways to you know ground yourself i mean you know it's a terrible situation all the way around uh, my condolences i understand that you got you and Avriana were in contact when you guys were first um incarcerated for the situation. Um, what do you were you guys gonna like rock it out? Were you still in love at that point? Like I noticed because to be honest, um, you know, I watched a little bit that they did on your on your case and uh I was curious as to where you guys were going after this meaning uh because the way it kind of portrays it it portrays it as if you know she's the blame and you know you're the victim and this and that um you kind of in like a like i'm not i'm not gonna say positive but more like in a passive demeanor and hers is more of like you know how she's portrayed you know evil I guess what my question is, what was the reason for you to stay in contact with her if, you know, you were trying to get away from her? 
You know what I mean? Like what what were you guys speaking about? I mean, I, I came across some files and things, but kind of want to hear from you. Was it like was she still your piece at that point? Or was it more of you trying to see where her head was at? Cause I understand it's this is back in 2018. So you guys weren't sentenced yet. You guys are still going through your court proceedings and things. You feel me? Um what were you guys what, what were you guys cool? Like how was how did that play out? So she sent me a few a few postcards and the majority of them are, you know, especially, uh, you know, the first one I ever received from her was, you know, basically stating, you know, for me to throw myself under the bus for, you know, she said things like, I, I don't, you know, I don't deserve to be here and, you know, you can do this and I'll, I'll, I'll hold it down for you when I'm out and, you know, you know that our children need me and, you know, things of that nature, you know, so in, in, in terms of, you know, continuing to hope that she had that manipulative hold over me, which I was just about to add for that more on. manipulation, more manipulation. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. That, that's what it, that's what it was is, is emotional and mental manipulation that she, she tried. That was her only savior is if I would have come out and said I did everything and she did nothing, you know, but that was never going to be the case. And we stayed in contact uh, up until I was, you know, to be sentenced because I wanted to see if she would actually accept or explain anything that went on. I mean, to be honest, there are there there's a majority of time where I wasn't inside the home. So I'm learning about a lot of things that happened while I was gone through these detectives and through my attorney. So these are questions that I needed answers to myself, which I posed to her through, you know, postcards. Mm. And I turned everything into the district attorney and to the, you know, to my attorney. And they were never used because, you know, she had a, a, a specific way of kind of like writing in, in circles or different patterns so that she wouldn't, so that nobody would decipher what she was trying to say. The first letter that she wrote me was in code and I had to decipher it with a Bible. She, she picked out Bible verses and each one represented a letter. I mean, she was plotting and scheming on a way out and that she thought that I would provide to her. So, you know, for, for, she sent you she sent you a puzzle as a note pretty much it was a puzzle it, it was a it was a code and i was supposed to decipher it and that's the one that mentioned you know throw yourself under the bus and you know that you know that that the kids need me and you know that uh i don't deserve to be here and that was the the majority of her postcards was like I said, it was a form of manipulation. Those are the things that I would fall for before this. You know, those are the things that I would I would have her back. I would, you know, lie to my family. I would not tell the whole story so that she doesn't look as bad to my family when these things were going on. So she thought that that would continue as, you know, as time went on after after my daughter passed away. And, you know, that wasn't on my agenda. I was away from her. I was clear-headed, clear-minded. And, you know, I, I just needed answers to my own questions that I thought she might provide, you know. And like I said, this is not about me as a victim, you know, but 
there were a lot of things that went on. I mean, these detectives would bring me interviews from men who I've never heard of, never seen before. And they're like, well, these guys have been all up in your house. You know, these guys know where you live. These guys have seen your children. And those were questions that I had answers that I, that I, excuse me, that I needed answers for, but also just, you know, how, how could you be so cruel, you know, as to, to, to fulfill uh, an evil plan, a methodical plan like this? That's what I wanted to know. Because like I said, there were things that I was unaware of and that I wanted answers to so that I could get some kind of understanding sort of like I'm providing to anybody who might be listening today. You know, I needed that from her. But, you know, unfortunately, she she, she is who she is, and there's things that she's going to take to the grave that nobody will ever know. And she, you know, she is a psychopath, and they, they find victory in that. She finds, you know, pleasure in knowing that there are pieces of the puzzle that nobody can fill because, you know, Callie's not here to share a story, you know. And uh, and Rihanna's gonna take that to the grave with her. It's a sad situation all around. Um, all around. I gotta say, man, I feel like you were convicted more on uh, more on what you didn't do. You know what I mean? I mean, when you look at the the facts in the in the case or the evidence that was provided, um, you see what's going on. You know what I mean? And you were more, like I said, convicted of what you uh, on what you didn't do. The re- you know what I mean? And um, you know, like you said, that's 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 hard to live with, bro. You know, um, like I said, my condolences. Uh, is there anything that you like to add or say to the to the to, to the folks before we, we we wrap this thing up? Oh, you know, to 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 to, to piggyback on your your point, I, I definitely. Um agree in terms of you know i i that was what my conviction was for was not preventing my daughter's death you know obviously Ariana caused it in her own crazy and and methodical way but you know there were so many things i could have done to prevent it beforehand you know whether i saw it as something that was you know that could lead to death or just as just as something that is that's not how you treat a child you know there were there were things that i should have acted on and and I didn't, and that is the regret and the shame that I carry around, you know, every day. And and those things will never leave, you know. And um, I definitely, uh, like I said, I, I appreciate you guys for giving me this opportunity because these these are these are things I've been carrying, you know, for four years and and really longer than that because you know, in terms of of just how my marriage was. You know, so it's been about it's been about nine years since I've been able to really speak on any of these things, and and I just appreciate the opportunity. And uh, you know, if this provides clarity to people, then you know, that's best case scenario. But you know, as long as I'm able to 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 now have you know gotten these things off of my heart, you know, I'm thankful for you guys providing me with that with that opportunity. And, and I I I had opportunities to you know. Um, interview with the news and you know the documentaries and you know i'm not here promoting a book i don't want to participate in anything that would exploit my daughter's death you know because i'm doing everything i can now to to honor her you know i'm in therapy i'm in i'm in school i'm 
reading these books and, and trying to identify the root causes that, that could have led me to be put in a situation like this, you know? So I'm, I'm doing what I can to honor. So I never want to exploit my daughter's death. I don't want to try to monetize, you know, I'm not looking for that. I was just looking for, you know, an opportunity to, to acknowledge what, what's been said and, 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 you know, to answer, answer these questions because your guys' questions are, are similar to the questions that I've been asked by people closest to me. You know, this is, this is common sense questions that, that people want to know. So like I said, I appreciate you guys for, for, you know, allowing me to do this. It's emotional and, and it's not a, an easy thing to discuss. So, you know, like, like I said, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, man. Like I said, thank you for your time and thank you for uh, allowing us to to get your message out there, bro. Like I said, the, the situation is kind of is sad all around. Um, nobody should have to go through this. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and you know, the, the last thing I, I want to add is that you know my my family carries a lot of, of guilt and, and regret, and, and same with my daughter's mom. And you know, my hope is that is that one day you know, they'll be able to, to you know, um, to to let some of that go in terms of, you know, recognizing that they this is not their fault. This is not in any way, shape, or form do they have a portion of blame in this. You know, people on the Internet and, and, and you know, on these public forums are going to say whatever they say, you know, and, and a lot of it is, is going to be, you know, exaggerated because they hide behind a screen or whatever the case, right? And I just want, I just hope that my family one day can heal from the pain and, and, and regret that they carry. Because, you know, as I mentioned before, they, they did the best they could with the knowledge that they had. If they if they were under the impression that anything tragic could have, could have you know, transpired, they would have kicked my door down and, and, and grabbed, grabbed Callie and, and taken her. You know, if, if Leonie had, if, if my daughter's mom had known that, you know, this was was in the cards, you know. She would have she would have stopped at nothing to to get her daughter back, you know. And uh, I just hope that you know one day that they'll they'll be able to you know uh, realize and recognize that this is not on them. Man, my condolences to everybody involved. Really, um, the mother, your child, your family, and not only you guys are all going through this. There's time to heal. I've been known to be optimistic, and uh, I know the difference between positive energy and negative energy. Your, your your energy has been positive this this time that we've had here. Um, you know, I wish you the best, brother. I wish that uh, you know you you find whatever it is that you're looking for to fill that void. You know, um, yeah. Reality, you got something for? Me? Just man, I'm I'm praying for you, man. I'm a firm believer in a higher source, and um, you know, and I I believe you know everything happens for a reason, and we never know what that reason is, and we'll probably never find out exactly what certain purposes is. But I know that as long as we stay positive, and as long as we don't try to do anything in our own nature to try to you know um demean shit that's going on or or, or um facts that's going on in life. You'll get answers. If it's not on this side, it's on the other side, man. And just know that I, as a father of seven girls, um, I, my heart is out for you, man. And it always will be. I, I, 
listen. I, I definitely appreciate both of you guys. And 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 something else that that I want to uh, leave with is is that you know I, I can only hope that my story and my situation can be a lesson to to anybody you know who's going through anything similar. I mean, male victims of domestic violence are not recognized in our society. Right. You know, unfortunately. Right. And, and the evil stepmother from Cinderella came true in my life. You know, so those things happen out there, and hopefully this will shine a little light on those, on those instances and those scenarios. And 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 I I can be the example. I have to stand as the example. You know, as, as that. So you know whether what what whatever form it might help somebody to learn from or to you know not not have to experience. I think that I think that's beneficial, you know, and uh, I have to try to find silver lining like that, you know. That's the only way to to really keep going is to try to try to, you know, do right every day. You know, there's no way that I can make things better, but you know, I can just do right every day and and try to help others with with you know who might be going through a similar thing. And and it's not often, right? Because as I said before, uh, I used to tell myself that. You know, these are these are things that that every these are decisions everybody would have made, but it's not true. That's what I that's what I would tell myself. You know, before uh, I came to a place of understanding that these are the decisions I made for the reasons in which I I, I explain. You know, as far as what influenced me, these aren't decisions that everybody would make being put in that situation. But it, you know, everybody who is put in a situation like that, I just hope that they can that they can take a piece from. You know this 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 sit down and conversation that we've had, and and really uh, decide to to you know make the right choice. Yeah, definitely. I feel like people that are in toxic relationships can learn from this. I feel like people that are dealing with substance abuse can learn from this. Um, parent, just from a parenting aspect, you'll feel for this. You'll learn something. You'll be like a little bit more careful i guess i mean everybody can learn from this situation bro i mean you had to be the epitome of it but it seems like you owning it man and i commend you for that commend you for that like i said guys i i just uh i appreciate the opportunity and and you know uh i i definitely um i i'm grateful for you guys you know and and uh you don't know how much it means to be able to come out and and finally uh get these things out man it's tough to carry so you know like i said i i can't thank you guys enough for allowing me this opportunity man there you have it man um bless that man so bless the family of, of cali rest in peace to cali rest and in peace cali man bless everybody who was uh, affected by this situation it's a sad situation all around man um if you see any similarities in your situation and um that are in we're in Tyler's situation, then you should probably take heed because seeds do you grow. Know somebody, a family member, or something that's going through a traumatic um situation or a um a abusive relationship or anything like, don't be afraid to like be there for your for your loved one. Like be in a business. You feel me? Like see what the what's going on. Like. Go to a nigga house, knock on a nigga door unsuspectedly. Like especially y'all family, y'all blood. I'm knocking at a nigga door. Like I am not announcing I'm coming. Like if I know something is going on, I need I need to figure out what's going on with my loved one. Like is everything okay? Cause you never know what's going on behind closed doors. 
you would never know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. Man, if, uh, if any of this resonated with you, man, go ahead and push that subscribe button. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, Pay attention to your mental health, man. Health is wealth. Uh, and love, man. Spread love, man. Positivity. <laughs>